0: Today, I'm chatting to George Clark, a 21-year-old from Tasmania. He's going to tell us about his experience of growing up with a heart condition.
1: Don't let your heart condition define you, who you are. You know, like I just said before, that I grew up with a lot of, and I know we don't like to use the word limitations, but unfortunately, that's what they are. And, you know, I grew up with a lot of limitations, but I never stopped that from letting me be me.
0: I'm one of your hosts, Rachel Knowles. I'm a journalist, and I live with a congenital heart condition. From the Heart is brought to you by Heart Kids. If you're enjoying our podcast, you can help other listeners find us by leaving a rating or a review. Before we begin, we'd like to acknowledge that we're recording on the land of the Gadigal people of the Oran Nation, otherwise known as Wurrung. We acknowledge the traditional owners and pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. We pass that respect to any Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander listeners. Welcome to the podcast, George. How are you feeling and where are you dialing in from?
1: Hi, Rachel. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm feeling pretty good at the moment, battling a bit of the arctic breeze down here. I'm in from Hobart.
0: Beautiful. I guess down to business, tell me a little bit about your heart condition.
1: Yeah, so I was diagnosed with a defect called mitral stenosis. Initially, my mitral valve had a narrowing and caused a bit of leakage. This was found before I was born, so my parents knew that I would be a heart kid. I gave them a little bit of time to prepare, which is a little bit easier. I think it'd be a bit less daunting than having your baby and holding for the first time and then realizing that something's not quite right. My mitral stenosis actually then brought on a few VSDs. So the holes in the heart, which I guess, you know, you have that first little bit of a diagnosis and then a second one is not really ideal. Unfortunately, there did come a third. (laughs) After that, I had a coarctation in my aorta. And I also had a pulmonary stent put in or a balloon put in as well when I was a bit younger.
0: Oh, my goodness. In terms of, I suppose, surgeries, what did that look like? Because you've got a few more than the standard heart kit in terms of diagnosis. What did the surgical kind of side of that look like?
1: Yeah, so I've had six open heart surgeries. I'm actually, for the first time, I've hit the 10-year mark. So last week, I hit 10 years post-op. So that's pretty good. So I had my first operation at eight days old, which was to repair the mitral valve and the VSDs. And like on my one month anniversary of being born, I had my third open heart surgery, which was the coarctation of the aorta. Obviously for mum and dad, it's not ideal. Like I grew up in a small town in Queenstown and I never even saw that town until I was about six months old. You know, being stuck over in Melbourne, having all these operations and all this sort of thing. So as you could imagine for mum and dad to be, quite daunting to be over there with your little baby who you know is going through all this but you know we have family and friends and all that sort of thing in Queenstown that you had to stay in the loop you know 2001 it wasn't really a very technological time still so you can imagine how you know it'd be hard kind of trying to keeping everyone in the loop as well.
0: That's insane that's crazy and I in terms of I can imagine yeah the travel because we're not just talking about land here we're talking about ocean as well in terms of regional travel to health support what was that like as you got older? So beyond, I suppose, six years old, would, were you traveling back and forward from Melbourne to Queenstown a lot or?
1: Yeah, I vividly remember actually around about when I had my last cardiac cath. Oh no, sorry, my second last cardiac cath, apologies. I was in kindergarten and I vividly remember actually, that's when I kind of start remembering traveling to Melbourne. You know, obviously I was doing it quite younger, but as far as my mind can go, for those first few years that I can remember, I remember us doing day trips. So Queenstown's a small mining town on the west coast of Tassie in the middle of nowhere and so we'd have to drive 2 hours to actually get to the airport in Bernie and then fly I remember us doing day trips and leaving Queenstown at like five o'clock in the morning to get a flight to Melbourne and then still not getting back to Queenstown until 10 o'clock at night. You know, like as a young kid, I remember, (laughs) I remember being a bit of tired and chucking a tantrum one year. And that's when mum said, right, that's it. We're doing overnight trips. (laughs) As I got older, you know, we made it fun. Like we started going to the football and started going and doing things. So it wasn't all a hospital trip, if that makes sense. You know, no kid wants to be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to Melbourne at school and then being like, oh, but I'm only going so I can go to hospital. And so, you know, we made it a trip, if that makes sense. You know, like it wasn't a thing we had to do. We wanted to make it something that we wanted to do and have fun along the way. To spare that hour of a three day trip to go to the hospital, it doesn't seem as daunting as Getting on a plane, going to the hospital, getting on a plane, and going home
0: <laughs> gives you some fun in between all the stress, hey?
1: Yeah, for sure. I actually remember my last appointment in Melbourne at the Royal Children's. So it was a month before I turned eighteen. Me and my dad and my brother, we went over and we actually went to a Nickelback concert and spent five <laughs> days over there and went to Luna Park and we made a trip out of it. Like we had fun with it.
0: <laughs> I love that, and I love Nickelback as well. That's so- <laughs> interesting good on yeah, you were, I, were they
1: good yeah I, I love them oh yeah. my god it was the best concert I've ever been to I mean <laughs> we opened those tickets Christmas day and me and my brother we were we
0: were ecstatic and dad's like oh I'm coming too we am like oh yeah cool <laughs> let's go <laughs> that trip was for the Nickelback concert and it just happened that you also have to go to the hospital at the same time like the main you, event you're, was not, the you're not even
1: wrong <laughs> you're not even wrong
0: and look I'm really interested in terms of like I grew up in a small town and I'm really interested in terms of, yeah, you said that you didn't see home too much. What was it like, I suppose, growing up in a small community for you? Were there people around that were aware of your heart condition? You find there was more support or less support? What was that like?
1: Yeah, so like obviously living in a small town for a young guy, it can be quite, I don't want to say boring, but you don't really get that chance to explore, if that makes sense. The plus side of living in such a small town is the support. I remember my last open heart surgery I was literally sitting in the classroom one day at school. That was about a week or two before I was due to go to Melbourne. And again, we went to Melbourne a couple of weeks early so we could have fun before I went and had surgery. And I was sitting in the classroom just doing my schoolwork. And one of the teachers from like the high school came and pulled me out of the classroom. And initially I'm thinking ah, what have I done? (laughs) And nothing, I I didn't even know this, but he'd had heart surgery as well. And he showed me his scar and just kind of sat there with me for a little bit. And, you know, being young, I was, I was 11 at the time. So quite frightened and not a hundred percent understanding on what was really going on. You know, I just kind of knew that I was sick and that I had to go to Melbourne and that was a way of life, but you know, the support it's, yeah, it's, in Queenstown especially, like I've had always have people saying, how's your heart? And my family's friends are always so supportive and asking me every time. I can see someone like once every month and the first thing they ask is, how's your health? And all that sort of thing.
0: I love that. Yeah, I think it's one of those weird situations where, you know, there's a lot of love and there's a lot of support, but there's not always a lot of, I guess, understanding Did you ever feel in your experience in in school or in community that, did you ever feel different?
1: Yeah, I did, especially around this last surgery for sure. So like we put a ban on, you know, physical sport and all that sort of thing. And, you know, as an 11 year old, you want to run amok and, you know, play around with your mates and do all that sort of thing, which unfortunately was not an option for me for quite a period of time. I remember, like, I love AFL footy, like I love watching footy, I love all that sort of thing and i remember in grade nine i was healthy enough i was three years post up. i was told that i shouldn't be this healthy but somehow i am and it's like i'm going perfect and sky's the limit and i remember thinking you know what i think i might give footy a go and i signed up and the teacher came up to me and said I'm not letting you play. And I was like, oh, okay. Which was a bit of a, you know, kick in the guts, but I played basketball for a little period in primary school before I was sick again and a little bit more in high school. And I think I just kind of kept myself physical with doing what I want to do. Like I took up skateboarding for a little while and, you know, bike riding and all that sort of thing. And yeah, so having those things happen as a teenager, you know, it's not ideal because you want to go and Play with your friends you know you want to go and play school footy with the boys and do all that sort of thing but yeah for a fair period that wasn't really an option for me yeah
0: it's really hard isn't it to try and balance that like i still want to have that normal experience that normal life but i do have things i do have limitations which is i don't like that word but sometimes i guess it, it does feel like that i'm really interested so you've had 10 years post up. congratulations Thank you. What does things look like now? Like, are you in a situation where you still have a bit of a question mark in regards to what the future looks like? Or are you kind of in the clear for the time? What does things look like? It's a
1: bit different for me, unfortunately. Living down here in Tassie, I haven't actually had a proper cardiac appointment since I was 17. <laughs> I'm just kind of going with the flow at the moment. I know my limitations, you know. Um, I learned that at a pretty young age after this last operation and just look after yourself and if you don't feel right, you know, you know how you feel. If So if you don't feel right, you sit down and all that sort of thing. But right now, like, yeah, I live a fairly physical life still. Like I go to the gym, I do F45 classes. So that keeps you fit as well. And I'm a volunteer firefighter, which a lot of people in the situation that we are in, that people sometimes can't do that. So I'm, I'm pretty lucky to be able to, you know, learn from a very young age what my limitations are, but also very lucky after my history to be able to say, I go to F45 and I'm a firefighter and I do that sort of thing. But, yeah, it's, yeah, different.
0: (laughs) That's crazy. That's so impressive. I'm going to ask you, considering your last appointment was when you were 17, how have you found the transition from paediatric to adult care? I'm interested.
1: (laughs) What transition? (laughs) (laughs) No, no, honestly, look, and this is where HeartKids comes into play with it. I keep in contact with a lady in Melbourne who works for HeartKids. Her name's Tracy. If I have any issues or anything like that, I always go to Tracy and this is where Heart Kids support is amazing, you know. Straight away, she's like, okay, we'll get something sorted for you. I told her that I hadn't had an appointment and I was worried and the only time I can go and get an ECG or anything like that is if I end up in the emergency department. Three days later, I had an email saying that we're sending a referral through, you need to be seen, you know, it's been too long and all that sort of thing. But look, you know, that's what Heart Kids is for. And even though I'm 21, Heart Kids are still there for me like that. And that's what my transition was really about, you know, like through COVID and having all that, like having the Heart Kids connections, it
0: made the world of a difference. I love that. Tell me, like, when did you first come in contact with Heart Kids? You know, like Heart Kids helped mum and dad out a lot. And me, I suppose,
1: when I was over there the first time in Melbourne at the Royal Children's, you know, I always hear about how. Heart kids did this for me, and heart kids did that, and all that sort of thing. And it does make you wonder, like, how someone can put so much more time into making sure that these people are, like, going okay with what they're going through, if that makes sense. It makes you kind of envy their lives a little bit because, you know, they obviously have such a great heart and all that sort of thing and love to help people. And it's just amazing. And I remember when I was 14, I applied for my, well, the year I was turning 14, I applied for my first Heart Kids teen camp which I actually went on. And that's, I, I think that's when my, you know, big experience with heart kids kind of kicked off because I met more heart kids. It made you feel like, you know, you weren't so different and all that sort of thing, like I said before, how living in a small town, you always had that support, but you know, no one, I don't think anyone really kind of like fully understood and having, knowing other people going through what you're going through definitely makes that lot of a difference. You know, like, I can sit here and talk with one of my mates in Melbourne on the phone and say, this has got me down about this, this, and this, and he can say, I know exactly what you're feeling. And he does know exactly what I'm feeling because he's gone through it. And, you know, it makes you feel like that you really aren't alone. And that's the best thing about heart kids, to be honest. is just the support.
0: I think it's a beautiful thing, like, when you think about the way that we have to use language and, like, we have to be super clinical sometimes. Like, I think we spend a lot of our time putting energy into how to translate what our life looks like to people and it's really yeah. really nice when you're around people where you actually you have a conversation you realize wait a minute I just said that I didn't have to think about translating that or making somebody understand that they just get it.
1: Yeah it feels different for sure I was really shy on my first Heart Kids camp. But, you know, it's, it's all at that young age like, oh, what operation did you have and how <laughs> many surgeries and show me your scars and all that sort of thing. And, you know, around people, like if someone came up to me randomly in the street was like, oh, show me your scars, I'd be like, oh, what? Excuse <laughs> but, you, you know, on that camp, it's just like, yeah, okay, like it's normal to be like that over here. So it does make a big difference for sure.
0: I love that. I love that. Have you been on many camps? Like have you done more than the first?
1: Yeah, I've actually been on every single one since the first one. I've been quite lucky. <laughs> so I did Blue Mountains in twenty fifteen, and then I did the Sunshine Coast in sixteen. Twenty seventeen was rottenest, and then we had a break for eighteen. And in winter of nineteen, we went to the Gold Coast, and then twenty twenty one, we were in Victoria somewhere. And then obviously COVID hit, so we had that other break but I am actually going for the first time ever, which I'm honoured to do, is I'm actually going over as volunteer staff for this one in Sydney in September, which I really can't wait for.
0: Oh my goodness, that's so exciting. And so volunteer staff, what does that mean? Like, are you in a mentoring space? What does that actually look like?
1: I'm not actually like 100% sure because I haven't really got given the full job description. But, you know, I feel like it'd be the same as my last one. I was there as a camp champ or a leader and So you are kind of that mentor and that role model to the younger kids. And I think once you get more involved with the organization and the more experience you have, the more you can feed on the younger guys, like having a kid who's 13 come to you and talk to you and say he's struggling and you can definitely talk their way through that. And we do get that on those camps, a hundred percent. I mean, I was one of those kids, you know, I think the role Morley is, so while you're there to look after them, you can be there for them and be that role model, be that mentor for them. Just make sure they really do have a good time.
0: I think that's a really beautiful full circle moment from like going on it to now being able to be in that space and be somebody that, I don't think there's anything quite like seeing someone who is a tangible older person than you who can mentor you through that experience. That's really, really cool. I guess, why do you want to be a mentor? What was the thing that attracted you to that? Was it because you had that experience when you went to the camp?
1: Yeah, Heart Kids has been there for me since day dot. You know, I just said before that even though I'm an adult now, I mean, look, I'm 21 and Heart Kids are still there for me. It's my chance to give back, I guess. I've always been a really passionate person about Heart Kids. It's just, it's really funny, you know. Like, I've got such great friends that I've met on these camps that I call my brothers and call my sisters. And, you know, like, it's just a different feeling. It's one of those things that I just simply won't say no to. It's as simple as that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> They've got a member for life. Look out.
1: Yeah, 100%. Definitely do. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Beautiful. And look, I want to talk about, because I know that when we like talk about our health, like obviously heart is a massive part of that, but I find that so many of us have so many different aspects of health that we have to look after. And a big one that I find is mental health. And like, I suppose moving through the trauma that we have so early in life. I guess for you, how have you been able to look after your mental health and move through times when you weren't okay?
1: Yeah, so between my last surgery, so I was 11 when I had my last operation and throughout my teenage years, so there'd be three years between my last surgery and my first camp, you know, in that time when I started to understand it a little bit and I still had those limitations and couldn't really be a teenager. I definitely got myself in a little bit of a rut, as you do. And I wouldn't say I was depressed, but I was definitely down and everybody knew I was down. Once I kind of got on that camp, I took a little bit more in, but obviously still having those limitations for a couple of years really got me down. I was one of those teenagers, you know, everyone's like it. We've all been teenagers where you think you're on top of the world and you think you're invincible and you can handle everything by yourself. Definitely don't do it. You know, support's there. That's what heart kids is for you know the awareness around heart kids now in particular has gotten so much wider and i've seen it down here in tassie especially in the last few years that the raise of awareness is absolutely insane like i remember four years ago i said when i was doing an event i said about heart kids and i had so many people say what what, what's that and now i'm seeing posters in the mall about superhero day and all that sort of thing like the awareness on that And the awareness on mental health have grown so much in the last few years. No one should be going through anything that we in particular go through being with your heart health or going through mental health. Definitely reach out to people, guys. That's a big thing. Yeah,
0: I love that. I think that's the thing, isn't it? And I feel these experiences can make you feel really isolated and like you're the only person who understands it. But there's such a relief when you tap into a community that gets you and that's there to support you.
1: Oh, 100%. And that support never goes away either. So, Mm. you know, you've got it for life, which Mm -hmm. is great.
0: Mm -hmm. That's it. They're stuck with us. Look out. (laughs) Yeah. Look, this fundraising event that you do, tell me about Kick for Heart Kids. When did this start? How is it going?
1: Yeah, so we're actually planning our third event this year, which is amazing. You know, the first one I did, I was in year 12 and I remember it specifically. There was an event in Melbourne happening and I kind of cracked it a little bit you know being a little bit of a you know I was a bit upset that I didn't get to go and all that sort of thing because of school and you know I was I was 18 yeah so not having a lot of money not working properly all that sort of thing and so I couldn't afford the flights to go over and I cracked it a little bit I messaged Tracy who I said I'd keep in contact with and said look I want to do something for hard kids down here can I do it And she was like, oh, what did you have in mind? Give me a ring. So I rang her up and I said, look, I wouldn't mind doing like a little football match, you know, like I love watching the EJ Legends game on the AFL where the old retired players come in and raise money. And, you know, you watch the Madeline, the Maddie Rewap, those games and those charity matches. And, you know, I really wanted to do something like that to raise money specifically for Heart Kids. And more so to get Tassie more involved. Like we have our... And you'll walk down here, and we have a couple little Christmas parties here and there. But I wanted something big that could really get Tazzy on the mat with Heart Kids. We actually ended up raising over nine hundred dollars, which was amazing. You know, for my first event to actually organize for Heart Kids to raise that much, I was ecstatic. It was great. So I ended up doing a second one on Queenstown's Gravel Oval, which was insane. <laughs> it's, it's the first time I'd ever played on the Gravel Oval and i lived there for 18 years and I'm never going to do it again. But, you know, we got jump. We actually got proper jumpers donated this time and the local support really came out in full force in Queenstown. You know, like, like we had guys that play for the local football club in Queenstown play and there's actually a guy who had a little heart baby of his own that plays for that club. So it was literally the, the town was all in. We raced over three grand, which is a big step up from 900 from the first one, you know, like, and I just burst into tears. I didn't know what to say. Like, I just raised three grand for a charity that's helped me my whole life. Like, I don't know how to, I don't know,
0: it doesn't compute.
1: (laughs) Yeah, But, you know, you can't stop there. You've got to go bigger and better. And I'm doing it again this year, which is pretty great.
0: Yeah, I think it's definitely a testament to what you've done in that space as well. And I, I'm really interested as to what is it about this? Why do you organise these events? What is it that, that makes you do it bigger and better every year?
1: To have that, not the challenge, but the achievement behind me that I can say, I did this. We helped out this many people. We put this many smiles on this many little faces that are stuck in hospital at the moment. Like, we helped give these families hope that you know, there are people out there that we've never even met helping you out.
0: I think it's it's a beautiful feeling to be able to give back to things that gave to you, and it's so exciting that you get to do this on such a colossal level. And I can't wait to see you know the, in the next coming years how bigger and better it gets. Look out, look. Yeah, it's gonna be great. <laughs> one of the questions that I want to ask you, and I think considering your journey and being such a mover and a shaker in Tassie for Heart Kids, I guess for you, what's the one kind of piece of advice that has really or the message that you've kind of taken from your journey that you think is so important for anybody embarking on their own?
1: Oh yeah okay don't let your heart condition define you who you are you know like I just said before that I grew up with a lot of and I know we don't like to use the word limitations but unfortunately that's what they are and you know I grew up with a lot of limitations but I never stopped that from letting me be me you know like I still played basketball and while I didn't get to play school football I playing these heart kids games like and everyone's just like oh but no one's like oh watch out for george it's like no he's playing he's playing i'm like i'm playing i'm playing like don't think just because you have that heart condition guys that you can't do everything you know like go out and travel go out and see the world you know obviously we're in a bit of a tough spot at the moment but as the world's opening back up utilize it you know, you can do more than sit there and think, I can't do this because, or what if I do this, will this happen? You got to, unfortunately, sometimes you got to take the risks because it's those little risks that can make your journey well worthwhile, like make it amazing. You know, like I was overseas traveling two years after my last open heart surgery, I went to Thailand. My cardiologist absolutely hated it, but I had the time of my life, you know, knowing that there's more out there than, you know, your four walls and just the city that you live in and all that sort of thing. So definitely don't let it stop you from doing anything.
0: I love that. That's it. You can't be afraid to live your life.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, 10 years post-op, I'm 21 and I've had, you know, a few of the open heart surgeries, a few of the closed procedures. I've been to three different countries. I've You know, I've explored and you've got to live your life. You know, if you're a teenager, especially, you're only young. I don't like to omit it, but I'm still a kid. I'm 21. You know, I, I, I want to go out there and see the world. I'm, I'm still exploring. I don't know what I want to do in my life career-wise. You've got to use your time to, you know, adventure a little bit. Just don't let your health define and don't let it stop you.
0: Perfect. Perfect. George, thank you so much. Is there anything else that you want to add or that you want to note?
1: No, just obviously if you guys are in Tassie, um, kick for heart kids three is september 17 at kg5 oval with a five o'clock first bounce and you know we have some amazing people from that are involved with heart kids in victoria and in queensland that are making the trip down to a few people coming down to share their stories with a few of the players and a few other people and so definitely get down it's going to be an amazing day
0: that's it lock it in your calendars now Lock it in.
1: Definitely lock it in. (laughs) Beautiful.
0: Thank you so much for joining me, George. And I really appreciate you just telling us your story and how passionate you are and really blessed to know people like you in this space. So thank you for doing what you do.
1: No worries. hundred percent. Thank you for having me on. And, you know, great to raise that awareness still. It's amazing.
0: Anytime, anytime. Sometimes this podcast deals with some heavy things. If this brings up anything for you or somebody that you love, it's important to reach out for help. The HeartKids Helpline provides support and guidance for anyone impacted by congenital or childhood heart disease. You can call the helpline on 1-800-432-785. To access more information about childhood heart disease as well as support from HeartKids, visit the website at heartkids.org.au. The information on this podcast is not a substitute for medical advice from your doctor or healthcare team. Always talk to your doctor about matters that affect your or your family's health.